Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who every time I see him, I swear to God he's going to fall down a well. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and I suppose it's my own fault for falling down so many wells before. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you keep peering me. into them like some sort of, like, I don't know what's wrong with you, frankly. It's just, I hear the call, and I think it must be coming from the bottom of the well. Right. So I yeah, should that checks out. Yeah. go and find it there in the well. Yeah. If things can be anywhere, Pat. Sometimes that's things true. are that's at the bottom of wells. Yeah, like all the time, really. Um, that's why I, I, you know, for me, though, I I, per, I don't know. I just, It always looks so precarious when you're peering down inside of one. Oh, certainly, certainly. I always take my glasses off before I look down there because... Be one thing if my whole body falls, but if just my glasses fall, that's yeah, super you're not annoying. Back. Yeah. Before we get to the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. No, I don't want to. Okay, well, you don't have to, but I'm still going to. Patreon.com yeah, slash. I'm not going to talk. I refuse. <laughs> well, well, at least don't talk over me. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, for just $1 a month, you get access to a bonus episode over there. Um, we put together a list of non Criterion films. Uh, one of which is always the 1996 uh, Shaq starring uh, genie film Kazam. Uh, and the other four are usually thematically related to something I've been thinking about recently or a film we've watched recently on the main podcast. Sometimes they're all Kazam. Sometimes, sometimes they're just all Kazam. We haven't actually put out a list that's all Kazam. We don't want to force people to force us we to watch We should do Kazam, a minimum one all genie movie list. Maybe that'll be this month. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I feel like I feel like we have the fact that we haven't done that yet means yeah. that we have fundamentally failed at this. It's job. A little weird. A little weird that we haven't actually. Um. Anyway, I uh, uh, dollar a month you get access to that bonus episode. You also get to vote on what we're going to watch. Uh, Kazam's always a choice, but generally our supporters have not made us watch Kazam. They did try a couple of yeah. times, and they succeeded once. We have watched Kazam one time. Yes, we have. It is a bad movie. It was movie. beautiful. But it's not even the worst movie we watched for this. Uh, somehow, I, I've you know I edit the podcast, so I listen to to us talking about these a lot. I never listen to us. And whenever we talk about the worst movie we've watched for uh, for the Patreon, we always settle on Monster Squad. Yeah, because it is the worst one we ever watched. But here's the thing. That's because we always block out the Will Ferrell kicking and screaming. That is literally right. the worst movie we've ever actually no, watched. No, you're right. You're right. That's the worst that movie the I've worst seen. We, we, yeah, you and I have, we've built a weird sort of mental dead space. We're like, right. nope, that didn't exist. This is, yeah, I don't know what's, we're, we're. It, it's possible, Adam, that that is actually the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire yeah, life. I really think it might be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like we've watched, we watched Solo, and it was it was profoundly affecting. And this is definitely the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but over there, you also do occasionally get to choose among good movies. 
or 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 at least I give you the opportunity to choose a good movie. Uh, we've watched Aliens. We've watched uh, Dog Day Afternoon. We've watched God's Country, the Louis Malle uh, yeah, that was documentary, really good. which is very good. So it really goes back and forth over there, but it's always a non-criterion film uh, that you're choosing from to give us a little break from the Criterion Collection. Now, occasionally that means we pick something that's in the Eclipse Collection. but uh, Right, because we found a weird little, loophole that lets little us cheating, just keep watching but, essentially Criterion movies. Yeah, but it works out. Uh, for a little extra at $5 a month, we promise to thank those supporters on air. And in that regard, thank you to Adam Speakerman and to Kevin Little for your continued yes, $5 you. supports. A little above that, we do something that I think is really special. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on a film we watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard. Then write a little personal note to you and mail it off. If you like that, that's $10 a month, and we also thank the $10 and above supporters on the air. So thank you to Jason Westhaver, and thank you to Michael McGrath for your continued support at that level and above. Uh, Definitely appreciate that. So Lost in Criterion, uh, I'm sorry. So you Patreon, do it every time. It's amazing, lot, Especially actually. when we come in. It's usually the second time, but but often the first as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to get in on that support. So I'm a, I like to listen to the, the Friends at the Table podcast. Okay. And uh, they bought friendsatthetable.cash. I think we should buy lostincriterion.cash. All right, if you want to. I want to see how expensive it is. It's probably really expensive because those weird ones are always like the people who ever. So I guess the deal is you have to pay like $1,000 and then you can just create one is the way it works now. And I guess like people want to recoup that fucking $1,000 as quick as humanly possible. So like, yeah, this domain is $275 each. You're like, I don't need it that bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a thing we need Let's find out how much it is, though. Or somebody, maybe somebody's squatting on it. That'd be cool. I'm not going to give them money, but uh, so ooh, thirty-two dollars a month. That is rough. Or thirty-two months, thirty-two dollars a year. I no, not worth it. Okay. We could have lost in criterion dot x y z. I don't. Or, we already have lost in criterion dot com. Why do we need any of these? <laughs> because you could direct cash at, at the the Patreon. I okay. That's fair. And then, and then when you started that fucking sentence, you could just play it out. <laughs> you wouldn't okay. have to start yes. over again. Lost this is for your convenience, cash. Adam. It is. It is. No, I appreciate that you care about me. I just, I thought, I thought you were building up to make fun of me, but you were just, you were no, just trying to I'm be a good I'm just trying friend. to save you. Oh, oh lost in criterion dot gold. <laughs> no, no, it's no good. I don't think we need any of that. I want to, I want Lost in Criterion. Dot, oh, they got dot green. That works too, right? Or dot like let's see if they have that, like dot moolah or clams. Oh, that'd be good. What a weird domain that would be. Dot clam or dot clams. <laughs> Why is that uh, even? A- no, it's not one. I'm just I'm, every okay. time I go on to like hover, I start daydreaming about what possible like like top level domains could exist in the world, and it's, I don't know. It's a weird thing that happens every time I open up hover. I don't know. There's something wrong with me. If I don't, if I, I have to close the window because it's gonna, I'm gonna, I won't stop. It's closed. I'm done. We're okay now. We can do the podcast again. Thank you. So this week we are talking about the Spirit of the Beehive, 1973, a masterpiece of Spanish cinema by Victor Eriche. 
this is Ariche's uh, debut. Uh, he was highly regarded uh, coming off of this film. Uh, it was made during the dying days of the Franco uh, dictatorship. Um, it also was a weird death knell for a lot of people. Uh, Ariche himself only made two more features after this. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and his cinematographer was going blind while shooting this film. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Luis Cudrado. Uh, this is a beautifully shot film. So the yeah. fact, the idea that it was it was shot by someone who uh, was not seeing very well at the time uh, is uh, it's bewildering and phenomenal in and yeah. of itself. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it came out in 73. Um, before we get into this movie, I want to uh, mention something that I feel I, f- I feel like a past failure. Okay. Uh, when we talked about uh, Bunel's Veridiana, okay. that's, that's the one that's... Uh, <laughs> our reading of it was a critique of personal charity. Um, because, yeah. Because everyone who helps anyone on a personal level uh, comes to <laughs> comes to harm, basically. Yeah, um, I remember. Um, but uh, but what we never talked about with that movie is that it was a Spanish movie coming out in 1961. Uh, okay. That that itself, its critique of the church, its critique of society's failures, is a subtle critique of the Franco uh, administration. Period. Um, and it did not occur to me that that was true timelines wise. Uh, while we watched it, and in fact did not occur to me until I thought about this movie being at the tail end of the Franco dictatorship, um, that 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 movie definitely came out under Franco as well, right? Well, actually, um, are you sure? Because I feel like you mentioned it. Maybe I did. I, I don't maybe think we I dug into it, it very we did, deep. We definitely, definitely didn't talk about it. it in political terms, and I feel like well, I, because you know we okay. But here's the thing: you got to keep in mind, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna rush to our defense. Uh. In that, like, we usually end up picking a topic, yeah, for each one, and yeah, like, that's fair. especially movies like this, movies like Ridiana, there's so much stuff, Happening. yeah, that you just gotta you just gotta knuckle down and be like, okay, this is the thing we're talking about. That's fair. we're talking about, like, sort of the condemnation of personal charity and like the need for the for government to actually, like, that personal charity can't fill in the gaps that the governments leave behind and things like that. Like, yeah. We talked about all that because that's what we wanted to talk about that time. I mean, I understand, yeah, there's there's probably a lot of – there was obviously a lot of political – and I think you may have mentioned it a couple of times. But, like, yeah. in the end, like, I, I also – I don't know very much about, like, Francoist Spain. So I don't I don't want to talk on that topic. That's fair. When I have no fucking clue what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, all we know about Francoist Spain is that it wasn't the left-wing government that they overthrew. So Right, but, exactly. And, yeah. and, and so as far as I – like – and this has come up before because we've like what what movie did we we watched another movie I think it was a German movie but it could have been like a like a like Swedish movie or something where they like kept talking about the Francoists and like going down there to protest or whatever. Oh, I think it was. I feel like it was. Uh, was it my left as a uh, my life as a dog? 
Maybe I can't were, remember. Were but like, no, that's not true. It was it was when they were remember. like there was like a dorm room kind of place looking. I yeah. can't remember anymore. I'm not, but like it wasn't my life as a dog, almost certainly. But anyway, but yes, like, they were talking. My, about my point is, is like, and and in those situations, we also kind of shied away from talking about it. Just be, it was yeah. obviously there, and it was a thing that that the artist wanted to be a thing you could talk about with regards to the movie. Yeah. But this is probably the first one where we basically have, we have to. Yeah. Because it's it is about that. You know, and okay, so like we're gonna talk about it, but keep in mind, I know fucking nothing about yeah. this topic. All I mean, as far as I know, like, I mean, all I know is it's basically fascism. And that's all I've got. Like, yeah, yeah. like it, that's that's all I can work with here. Yeah. Well, there you go. It was a a, a fascist dictatorship that overthrew. Uh, that that so tried I, to pull a coup and then ended up in a very prolonged civil war. Uh, right. And, and so this, here's the thing, though. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. This film takes place more or less in the direct aftermath of that civil war uh, among a family that pretty clearly was on the losing side of that civil war in many right. ways. So. Um, Sometimes more subtly than others. Like the, the pictures that Anna goes through, those are her dad with, like, intellectuals who are part of the leftist side. Right. So, you know, people that, that someone watching in Spain should be able to recognize to sort of signify where where these people stand. Right. Or as, as everything goes. Yeah. But anyway, you were saying, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to, like... I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't remember where I was. <laughs> I, I can't remember anymore. But like, my my thought process was just more like I. Every time I I rediscover mentally the Francoist government, like I, it is it is astonishing to me that it that it that it existed and that it was allowed to exist as long as it existed is a weird testament to how like. Like it's it's a it is essentially right like an openly fascist government right yeah in in mainland Europe for many 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 years right that's that is kind of a wild thing to like just to have exist for a really long time because like the way that society sort of views and treats Europe versus the rest of the world is quite yeah. different you know yeah. what I mean. Like, I mean, I guess it's, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but like every time I, I think about it, I'm like, oh, right, that's a thing. Like that was a thing that existed because what I mean is like, I feel like a majority of the West tolerates like openly fascist dictatorships in places that are not Europe right. because they're not Europe. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's a thing. Like where it's like, well... Nobody give like it's just essentially nobody gives a shit, right? Yeah, it's somehow somehow it's as sad the, as that uh, is, that's just the way it is. Somehow the opinions that the world holds for Spanish South America got uh, got put onto actual Spain for a good forty years. So right, which is weird, right? When you think about it, because like yeah, we we we're totally willing to turn a blind eye to essentially any bad thing that's happening anywhere that's not Europe and North America, right? Uh, in in terms of like. Although, as it turns out, that doesn't hold true either. Um, and this is proof. This is kind of that proof of concept that, like, 
Yeah. When you look at modern politics, like, oh, we're willing to turn a blind eye to literally anywhere. Yeah. Actually. And like, that's that's the thing. That's the thing about the fascism within Spain is that it stayed within Spain. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Candace Owens got a lot of flack, uh, rightfully so, a few months ago for saying. Yeah, that, for sure. Uh, she definitely wa- like that, definitely earned that flack. Yeah, let's be clear. That, that, that Hitler would have been okay if he hadn't tried to uh, export beyond Germany's borders. But one that's not. There are a lot of problems with that statement. Uh, mostly the fact that the ethnic cleansing was already going on inside of Germany. Right. I mean, I, and that uh, is and a big deal. it would deal, not right. have been okay. Uh, for it to just well, I there. mean, but I, here's the thing: yeah. I will, I will argue with that in the sense that it, no, nothing would have made it okay. Yeah, but but would people have turned a blind eye to it? Possibly. Yeah, you know I what think, I mean. Like if you if your if your goal is to say like he probably could have just kept going ad nauseum if it had only ha- happened in Japan. There, that's probably true. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like if you really stop and think about the things we see in the world, like. It only became. It, I don't. I don't know that like you, the rest of the world would have rushed to aid and stop had it not also involved wanting to take over all of Europe. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think. I think for again, we're we're talking about things that, that neither of us have studied really. I no, feel like either. I feel like the rest of Europe's opinion of Spain is that it was their own civil war. And right, and it was something they needed to work out before Spain, before they got involved. And while arguably there was not an active ethnic cleansing, it was still a civil war, uh, which is itself a form of ethnic cleansing, um, or at least an easy, easy disguise, easy mask for ethnic cleansing to wear. Right. Um, but also, uh, by the regime's own numbers, uh, by the end of the war. Uh, 270,000 men and women were in prison. 500,000 had fled. Uh, right. And, and many of whom who had fled into exile were captured and either returned to Spain or uh, sent to Nazi concentration camps as stateless individuals. Uh, between six right. and 7,000 exiles from Spain, uh, from Spain died in Mauthausen. Uh, right. I like, mean, that's a, the, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. That is... That is all criminal. That just right. it, it is. It fundamentally is. Like, there's no way we can pretend like on the grand scope of the of the way things all happen to ha- like pan out. Yeah. That like Franco of Spain was not criminal. Like it, it obviously was, and but like it was a criminality that people were willing to turn a blind eye to for a very long period of time. Right. And it sort of helped that Franco tried to normalize things. Like, uh, you know, obviously they weren't a founding member of the United Nations, uh, but they did join in 55, right? They're, they're pretty early. Um, yeah. Uh, still they banned independent political parties and, uh, and unions. And, uh, I mean, like they painted their enemies as a, as a, uh, 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 Judeo Masonic conspiracy. Uh, right. Exactly. Like, yeah, and, but the thing is, is we're very like as a, just society as a whole is very very willing to be like, well, as long as as long as shit's running reasonably normal, I guess we're okay with like all of that, I guess, because 
you know, nobody, nobody, people didn't rush. It doesn't seem like people rushed in to fucking help or fix it or stop it from happening. I don't know. Just, just, it's a disturbing thing to think about. That's all. Because I understand, like, when you extend it out to other places in the world, the answer is pretty easy. It's called racism, right? Like, that's what it is, right? Right. Right. Uh, it's it's it makes it more difficult to figure out when it's applied to people who theoretically would fit within your racism umbrella. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, it's like okay, well, okay. I don't I don't know what to. I don't know what. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interestingly, the end the end of the. Uh, Franco dictatorship, I, I actually really think is fascinating. Uh, basically, Franco uh, handpicked the next uh, prime minister uh, as mm-hmm. also like, in forty seven. They declared Spain. They declared the nation the kingdom of Spain, but they never proclaimed a king uh, or a monarch of any sort. Uh, and so, uh, I'm sorry, uh, no. Yeah, that happened in forty-seven. No, you and I—I um, I will tell you, yeah. you and I have definitely had this conversation. Yeah, uh, and then uh, and then when Franco died in seventy-five, Juan uh, uh, Carlos of Bourbon uh, was declared king of the kingdom of Spain, and he immediately <laughs> immediately started transitioning into a democracy. Right. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, we've definitely had that conversation, yeah. which is yeah. is fascinating to think about. Right. Uh, anyway. I'm, I'm going to be king just long enough to get this shit over with. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I don't know. We're done. Um, but yeah, uh, all that historical baggage comes into this film, right? Because it's it's something right. that takes place right after the Civil War. Uh, it is uh, all of the characters sort of uh, political leadings are unnamed overtly, even as they are suggested fairly outright like the uh, the guy that Anna runs across when searching for Frankenstein's monster uh, is just called the fugitive uh, but right. he is obviously a uh, a separatist right he's a he's a, right. he's an anti anti-regime activist um, fighter uh, you know um, the fact that uh, the mom sends her love letters to a Red Cross cramp in France means that the guy she's writing to is uh, an enemy soldier as far as Franco is concerned, right? Right. Um, yeah. And and as I already said, you know, the pictures of the dad um, are with uh, leftist intellectuals. Um, and just the solemnity of the house, you know. One very interesting thing about this film is we're introduced to the four members of the family separately. Well, the, the girls together, but, but mom and dad separately doing their own thing. And I don't believe there's a single frame in the entire movie where all four of them are together. I don't think so either. I, I even, think... even in a – there's at least one scene where they're eating breakfast that they're all in the same room. But I don't yeah, think there's a I, single frame where no. they're all, all on screen together. No, I th- I think you're absolutely right. Like I think, well, and that's, I mean, if the goal if if the goal of this film is to show just how alone people can be, yeah, 
it does it, it, it which I assume is part of it. Like it does a a, a remarkable job of that. You never you 100% always feel alone. Yeah. In this movie. Like you we as audience members feel alone. Even when we're watching a character, like we feel like we it is as close to an, a post-apocalyptic movie you can get without <laughs> right. actually having an apocalypse. Right. right. Like it is, is everybody is always alone. Everyone's alone, everyone's sullen. The landscape even looks yeah, it's uh, it's almost blighted. like an it's asteroid barren. a lot of yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's this movie. If the it, like, yeah, conveys bleakness in a really very intense way, and right. and for that, I really really admire it. It is, it, it is it is telling that this movie does a better job of being a post apocalyptic wasteland than an actual <laughs> post apocalyptic yeah. wasteland movie. Yeah, generally does. Like, you just because like. It does a thing that you don't get in those kind of movies, which is like nothing. Re- Life in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, as long as there's food, there is food, is essentially just nothing going on, right? Like it's just yeah in this universe, right? Like it's just not a lot happening because the kind of their world has collapsed, right? It's just everybody's right. still alive, but right? There's 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 no world, right? And what. What the dad keeps describing the beehives as this, you know, mindless organization. Uh, it's hierarchical. Everyone has their duty, but no one has any free thought. You know, and that if that's well, not obviously a, if that's not a critique yeah. of Franco's government well, and well, society yeah. I mean, at large, like, I don't know what is. Yeah. That's yeah, that's no, the one obviously thing yeah. about yeah. about Veridiana as well, which is overtly critical of the Catholic Church, which was very important to the Franco administration too. That that homogeny of of the two uh i find it very hard to believe the the symbolism in these films uh was not caught by censors like like how how deep into your own bullshit do you have to be to not see these films as openly critiquing critiquing we've had this you and i have had this really weird relationship (laughs) with censors right because sometimes like the most obvious shit in the world yeah to us is just like gets slides right through and then you and i've had talks about like the nazis banning yeah, movies like that were like m where probably we're, not actually directed at them but they were just crazy fucking paranoid and so they just right right pick shit and like that probably happened in all these fascist regimes right, right. where they're like you're criticizing you us aren't you and it's like no this is a you know whatever whatever right. sort of innocuous bullshit it was right. that like just got clamped down on for whatever reason and then something like this can come out like it's just yeah, you have to be real far up your asshole, yeah. but guess what? That's that you've defined fascism in in the most roundabout way, right? Like just being so far up your own asshole that you yeah. can't see anything else. Now, with something like this or the uh, the anti-American scenes in late Uzo's late spring, um, it's very possible that the censors read the script and didn't right. see the movie. Um, yeah, it's possible. So um, you know, there's yeah. that, uh, and and theoretically, the the actual script. Here, first off, the actual script here is is mostly uh, scene description. I'm sure, um, right? It's silence. Yeah. It's largely silent movie. It's like just a. It's a whole bunch of like. Right. I like to imagine it's like instead of it just being really condensed, it's just like a whole bunch of blank pages. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> just just ellipses after ellipses. Yeah, exactly. Just a fuck ton of ellipses. That's exactly uh, what it is. But uh, 
but yeah, like the you know even the things we've talked about already that that sort of portray this as this family as on the losing side of the war is all visual, right? We see the address right. on the on yeah. the envelope. We see the picture of him, but but no one names those things out loud, right? So yeah, but yeah, and I I get where you're coming from. I totally get it. It's just that, like, and I understand that that's definitely the pot, like probably the reason. But like, also, how lazy as like fascist regimes like censors do you have to be? There's not that many movies coming out of Spain at this time. There just can't be, right? They're not. They're, we're not talking like a thousand movies a year. You don't have enough time to watch them all. Like I, I know I'm encouraging a very. I'm making a very weird critique of this. sense that I'm like, oh, those those darn fascist regime censors just weren't trying hard enough. Yeah. Like, well, well, that's yeah. The other. I mean, it's a good thing, right? Like it's a good thing, but like yeah, we can't we can't condemn them for doing a bad job, but also be open to the possibility that they were very good at their job but saw their job as letting these things slide through. That, right. Well, I mean, these were, I think these that's were more likely, especially something like this, 1960s. Yeah. Like, my my guess is, as as sort of like the regime itself is losing grip a little bit, it's right. just like, ah, oh, who the fuck cares? And as long as, just, as, long as you can maintain that you were just dumb the day you watched this one. Right. Uh-huh. Or like, oh, I had a cold, so I, yeah. uh, I didn't notice that bit. Oh. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah. As as long as your bosses can think you're incompetent instead of sympathetic, uh, right? Then your life is safe, at least. So, well, yeah, or at least presumably, if 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 things have gotten to the point where they're no longer punishing incompetence with death, right? Right. right. Like if you know that you've crossed that threshold where it's like, oh, I can be incompetent and they will not kill me, uh, then you probably just be like, ah, fuck it, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Um, but this one, this one is very deeply overt. Like this is, this is, I mean, this this movie wears its criticism on its sleeve, right? right so, right, that's 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 pretty astounding. That it is pretty astounding that this movie even exists. Yeah. Honestly, now, now of course, this stuff about the bees can literally be about bees. About, in a that's true in a reading. Um, but I would dire- I would like to direct you, Adam, to. Many of the conversations we've had about that. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Like, yeah, it could it could literally be about the bees, but we've had really, really go get them sensors block the most inane shit. That's a thing we've talked about multiple times. So I don't know. I you know could be about just bees, but yeah, um, if they were on their game, they wouldn't. You know, they clearly just didn't care. <laughs> Now, obviously, obviously, Goebbels wouldn't have let this slide, but <laughs> I like, how, like we're, 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 this is becoming weirdly like the the fascist critique, uh, fascist uh, censor cast, <laughs> where we talk about censors and their general motivations and like how good they were at their job. Yeah, but everyone, everyone in the Nazi party was just hyper paranoid to begin with because they knew they were about well, to die. So yeah, well, that's I think that's what it comes down to, right? Like I, that's you know we we just talked about that, but like yeah, legit, whoever was the censor on this was like, well, they're not going to kill me if I let this right, go through, so right. fucking okay. just let it go. Yeah, I think I think that might be part of it. This guy's like is nineteen seventy three. Uh, he's already named a new king. Uh, he's clearly on his deathbed. Um, presumably, this happened before the assassination of the prime minister, which ha- which also happened in seventy three. Uh, presumably, the movie came out, and and any interaction with censors was before that. So right. he's probably like, eh, "This is a pretty okay moment. We can let that." 
<laughs> let that one slide. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, you got the, yeah. I'm sure. Unfortunately, like a whole un- year- whoever was in charge of censoring this movie did not leave a uh, leave a diary, as far as I know. So, right, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but no, like, because you know we've encountered that too with um. Like the the end of the the Soviet Union and the films right. that came out around right. that time, where people are just kind of like, ah, fuck it, right? Like, right. It's, this shit is over. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? They're like out trying to like figure out like how to get there so that like when there's all this shit falls apart, like yeah. how to not things to not be too bad for them. Like, I don't got time to actually do this shit. And anymore. this this is a time where Spain was trying to do something that a lot of a lot of. Uh, dictatorships try to do it's to improve your international view uh or your view internationally by uh by uh producing art good art right yeah uh so and that's a real that's a real thin line that's a yeah to walk between it's a, it's an impossible line yeah. is what it is right it is that fun. like well because you read that one that one uh i i, don't know, I think it actually probably was on cracked or whatever but i'd read about it before about the the uh, degenerate art exhibit, yeah. Uh, the Nazis put on, and right. like nobody fucking went to the Nazi art one because that fucking shit sucked. And, right. And it's just that's that classic thing, right? Like you know, you know, you you want to produce art, like art requires a certain modicum of freedom, really. Right. Now the you other don't offer that you're not going to get art. You're right. not you're going to get something else, but you're not going to get art. And then and then it's also you know it's all publicity too by by allowing films right. like this to exist the. The uh, regime looks like it's allowing free expression, even as it is not allowing free expression. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Um, so, so there's there's that thin line, but there's also there's the possibility that if the person directly responsible for censoring this film was sympathetic to the film, or just yeah. didn't, or just care. didn't care. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a possibility. But there's also, you know, I <laughs> think. If it if it had been produced earlier, I mean, there's there's a reason whether or not Veridiana uh, got flack put on uh, uh, Bunel uh, or pressure put on Bunel. Uh, he definitely stopped making movies in Spain fairly shortly after. So right, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Didn't he get lured in by like that one of their sort of like art investment? project maybe type de- like, maybe i don't know kinda, I, think, I feel like we talked about that i don't remember anymore but huh. where we've talked about because we've had a lot of these conversations already for sure yeah where it's like about the idea that they were trying to improve their image so they're like oh we're gonna let we're gonna support artists in our in our society and then like it doesn't take very long to figure out this is a bunch of horse shit and then yeah yeah uh can we uh Can we take a moment to explore film critics sexualizing a thing that's not sexual for me? Oh, our, one of our favorite one topics. One of our favorite yes. topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what did they sexualize in this one? Dan Callahan praised the film's cinematography, story directing, and acting. According to Wikipedia, he wrote, quote, Every magic hour, light-drenching image in Victor Arice's The Spirit of the Beehive is filled with mysterious dread. Good so far. Mm-hmm. Quote, there's something voluptuous about the cinematography. Oh, no. And this suits the ser- the sense of emerging sexuality in the girls. Fucking hell. What is... Okay. 
Adam, I think we have but one choice. You and I need to go take a film criticism class and just figure out if that's like 85 to 90% of the whole thing. <laughs> It's like it like maybe be. there's like a lot I mean there's whole classes on like training like learning to sexualize totally non-sexual things. Yeah. Like Okay. What year was that written? Uh let me get the citation. Well, we find up out. Here. We need to find this answer. What? Uh, David Carr at 2007. No, 2006. Um. Like I okay. How Adam? How old are the girls in this movie? <laughs> they are, they are definitely they are, prepubescent. They um, are very much children. Anyway, the the scene he cites is specifically the older sister uh, when she cuts her finger and she uh, she she paints her lips red with with her own blood. Um, Does okay, uh, which which definitely definitely plays to the uh, the dread that he's talking about. I think. Um, but but I don't know about it being sexual or no. I here's the the problem we get into, and boy, this is going to be this is going to be this is going to be a ride, Adam. Yeah. Um, is the fact that for I think a whole class of human beings it is impossible to conceive of things that women do as non-sexual. As non-sexual. Like, the idea that makeup is by itself not a sexual thing yeah. is really hard for men especially to understand. Like, yeah. ah, this person is painting their face. It must obviously be a sexual thing. It has to be. Because why else would they do it? Like, you get, I get the number of Twitter conversations I've seen where women try desperately to explain that, like, I don't do this to attract your your dumbass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it? It's so. Yeah, she's putting. I mean, she's essentially putting on lipstick. But like, has she seen her mother do it? Probably. Right. Is that a thing that every child does of both sexes, where they like mimic their their parents? Absolutely. Is that representative of emergent sexuality? No, it's not. <laughs> I, I like it's gonna give me a wild story, but like you know, I mean, the number of times that like, like there's this there's just a weird thing where like the same groups of people who like are very worried about like people's gender identities and stuff also tend to be the sort of people who freak out about and kind of do this kind of thing as well, where it's like, ah, oh, like this child is doing this thing, it must mean something. Is well, you know. There's also things children are children. They 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 mimic the adults around them because that's what they're supposed to do. Like you know, I mean, that's what a child is supposed to do is kind of like explore what their their the people around them do to under to try to understand, right? To comprehend, right? Uh, it's it's really wild. I don't. Oh, this person's broken. <laughs> like that that this one's very upsetting though. Like yeah, because we I don't think we've. It's rare that we encounter that kind of comment with people this young. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a comment someone I follow on Twitter brought my attention recently of a, a I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast too, but a an educational journal in which a uh, a man once again described pedagogy as inherently erotic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, yeah, all those people that you had to avoid at every conference right, because uh, right. 
There's a, there's a, there's a class of people who do that, and you're like, oh boy, this person. Yeah. This person should probably be in jail. I don't. I don't. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um. But but what what Callahan says about mysterious dread certainly right certainly is is true of the film. Um, right, but I feel like that's. I mean, yeah, yeah obvious, like like patently obviously, like everybody that. The movie is so good at conveying that that I don't I I worry if you don't get that, right? right? Like you don't feel that. <laughs> right. Like it's just the movie's so thick with it that like if you sat through the movie and you're like oh, weird, mysterious, existential dread, I don't didn't yeah. pick up on that one. Yeah. That one missed it. Sorry. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Were you in the same theater? I don't Yeah. Um <laughs> I there is so much of this movie that I love. I love that mm-hmm. we get the roadshow introduction to uh Frankenstein and then we cut oh, to yeah. the dad in his uh his monster his outfit monster basically. Outfit. Yeah, his beekeeping uniform <laughs> like an astronaut. Uh <laughs> I uh, I love that that he sort of wanders into town and for the next like 2 minutes we hear Frankenstein, uh, even yeah. as he's back at the house, the sound design in this movie is great. Uh, there's a scene, oh, yeah, it's very there's a scene good. where uh, where the girls are are first talking about the spirit and how to call the spirit, and uh, and you start hearing thumping and dragging, and and the next right. scene we see it's dad in his office, but but it plays with some some classic like horror conventions in in interesting oh, yeah. ways in the sound design. Uh, yeah, it's there's so. I, I will say that in a weird sort of way, this is probably one of the scariest movies we've ever watched. <laughs> it's not, yeah, like it, it's not terrifying, but like it is so deeply unsettling. Yeah, like it's not, it's not. I, like I loved it. I, I, I would absolutely watch this movie again. Uh, but like it's, it is actually scary. Oh yeah, like when you really start, like once you dig into it and like be in it, like being. Imagining the world that you're in is just kind of terrifying. Right, right. It is. It is legitimately scary. Right, and the the ending does not do anything to. Uh, no, to no, push it back does not. Like, right. well, I really like. I really like the idea of ending it in such a weirdly sort of. Um, I, don't, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like, sort of like magical way. Yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, like like I'm just going to undermine the idea that this world like it's. Very obviously, this movie takes place in the real world, right? right. Like, but like, I'm going to present this last scene where things just, like shit just goes off the rails, right? Right. Like, here you go. This world is whatever it is. Like, here you go. It, I I love it because especially since like it's from the perspective of a child, right? Yeah. Like it all, like, yeah. The way children comprehend and understand the world around them is right. so radical, and so much of this it. movie is is shot in that way and, and oh, designed yeah, in that way. Of, of childlike understanding, childlike points of view, uh, both. Right, but a child locked in a really sad world, right, right, which is really a fascinating thing. It's like a terrible thing. You yeah. know what it really reminded me of? And I can't remember. It, it's not. Is it my life as a dog? It might have been. No, it's Rat Catcher. Rat Catcher. Rat yes. Catcher. Yeah, Rat Catcher. Either That's Rat what it Catcher me or so George Washington, of. too. 
Yeah, George Washington as well. Yeah, there's a there's a whole series of movies that we've watched. Yeah, that I, we you and I should make our own box set called just Kids I, Trapped in Nightmare Sad right, Worlds. Right. Um, and it's they're real good Hyper movies. They're almost like of age films. <laughs> the ones that make it into the Criterion Collection have thus far been very good movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're just they're. I I don't know if it's because like the ones that exist out there that are this but are bad just don't get into the Criterion Collection. Somehow they're more selective with their sad, sad children and nightmare, sad worlds movie selection than they are with a regular film selection. I don't know, but the ones, these kind of films that have made it into the Criterion Collection have been universally extremely good. Yeah. Uh, and this one's no except this one's amazing. In fact, this might be the best one. <laughs> it is. No, I just say because like all all the other ones, to a certain or a lesser, a greater or lesser extent but always more than this, relied on dialogue right. to convey feeling. Right. Like, they're good. They're very, very good. But, like, this one, you almost don't, like, the very modest amount of dialogue, you could cut it out, and the movie would still right. be fine. This is a film. Like, it would totally function. In fact, the lack of dialogue adds to the atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course. What I'm saying but, is, is that what is in here yeah. could be cut, and right. it would be probably even better. But the visuals themselves, you know. I mean, introducing the dad in the bee uniform as, you know, as as a, as a beekeeper's outfit, as a form of separation, right? He's insulated himself right. from what's around yeah. him. And the whole family has insulated themselves from both society and each other, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know. Well, and, then, and, you know, and the movie does it in such a beautiful visual way of, like, just like you mentioned, like, nobody's ever on screen with anybody else. Right. Is Everybody is 100% alone. Right. Even like, when they're talking to, and each even other. even when the girls are like, I'll give you a weird. This is a weird example, but like I think it's probably true. The girls have their own beds, right? That is, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily. It doesn't have to be a purposeful choice, yeah. But like, I mean, I mean, on the one hand, the uh, the fact that the family lives in the old manor house uh, suggests that they they have means. Um, right. So they don't. The girls don't have to be in the same bed, but at the same time, they are young enough that that generally, like kids like to sleep together. Right. It's a thing they right. love to do, right. right? Like, like I, I, you know, I have personal experience with this. It is actually hard to tell children to sleep by themselves, <laughs> right? Right. Like it, and and the fact that the girls are so even in within themselves, so isolated, right? That they are willing to just they just do that that's just the way they are is kind of wild to me right like they just sleep alone like they just they're and they're and the beds are big and so they look lonely inside of those beds right i mean right. they're not actually that big but you know what i mean relative yeah. to their to their frame right and you know even again with the sound design uh the one scene where uh, where the mother is already in bed and and the dad comes in and it's just a lot of his old man noises <laughs> Instead of yeah, you know, viewing them together, it's it's just him off screen. Um, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's yeah, it's fucking, it's it's real good, right? Like it is really. Yeah. I mean, and the sound design reflects the 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 cinematography and the the art design that in that direction as well. Like right, it's and I, it, like one of the scenes I can't I I don't know why this one stuck with me, but like when it. After she leaves the soldier, and it fades from daylight to nighttime in this really like unnatural way. Yeah, 
but the but like there's no cut. It's is or I mean you can there is probably a cut, but you don't see the cut. Mm-hmm. It is really a wild thing to see. Like I was like I watched that like four times in a row. Yeah. I was like whoa. Yeah. Like forget, and it's like it's not sped up. You know what I mean? It, it didn't like it's not it's not you know high speed footage right where they that they do sometimes yeah. where it's like well I'll just I'll just pass some time. It just becomes night. Right. <laughs> It's like what the fuck? Right. It was really that was really jarring to the point where I was like, I gotta okay, no, we gotta we're gonna we're gonna check this out again because I don't believe I just saw what I just saw. Right, so. right. Uh, it's so good. And the isolation in the movie uh, goes to the film itself. We get small incursions. We get the film people arriving. We get the fascists showing up at the end to find this soldier who has also shown up. Um. But they don't seem to be even even the fascists who are, who are obviously uh, they're local officials, right? But they're not people we've interacted with before. Um, they're they're even outsiders. In the same way that that one bit of uh, wiring uh, be like <laughs> I don't even know what to that call funnel. it. That funnel that comes into his office through the window. Yeah, you know. and the windows themselves are are this gold honeycomb. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's it's all very it's all very thematic. It all works together that. so well. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's just it's so good. But it's really gorgeous and like it conveys the emotion it wants to convey absolutely perfectly. Like I just I'll, I will in my mind I will always sort of in a weird way. Like, did you ever see that movie that Will Smith movie? Uh, I am. I am legend. I am legend. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously based on a book, but like, I mean, like they tried for that kind of feeling a couple of times in there. Right. Like where they're like, and and other post-apocalypse, it's just the one I think of for whatever reason. Yeah. Like we're a person just wandering empty streets. Right. And that, that's, that's a very profound thing for people. Uh, cause human beings aren't really set up to operate that way. Right. Like we're not solitary beings. We don't do a good job in that environment. Um, and you know, it creeps us out, right? Like right. that—that's the whole point, right? Like it's like being a place that is supposed to be full of people that is dead empty is creepy. Uh, but like this is this is the best version of that I've ever seen, just straight up. Yeah, and it's not even that kind of film. It's just so good at that. Oh yeah, but but at the same time, you know, using using Frankenstein as a major motif in this film, it's it it is this is Spanish horror. Uh, and it's yeah, and it's Spanish well, yeah. horror dealing with the same things as say Pan's Labyrinth, uh, but Pan's Labyrinth yes, yeah. is much more overt in its horror. But this is still horror. Um. Yeah, but what I mean is like, how do I explain? Like it yeah. is, but it, it but it is it is almost one hundred percent existential, which is a which is a which is a different kind of right, horror right, genre right, right, than right, right, right. what. Oh, absolutely. Like we've talked about this before. Like the word horror might as well not mean anything. Like. I, I understand it, and I think it's 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 gotten into this weird territory. Like I don't know what it is, but like I know it when I see it, kind of thing. Um, yes, it is. But like when I sit, when we have conversations about me not liking horror films, like that phrase doesn't mean anything, right? Right. Like I know what kind of horror films I don't like. Yeah. This is this is not like this is yes, you're right. This is this is horror film. This is a Spanish horror film, but this is infinitely watchable. Right. Right. Like, I will absolutely be, I would, you could, you'd have to do almost nothing to convince me to watch it again. Right. 
In fact, I'm so certain that I miss stuff that I kind of think I need to watch it again. But I tell myself that, but like, it's always there's just too much, right? This podcast is <laughs> right a bit of a, a bit of a time sink in terms of like I, like going back and watching ones we've already watched. Is like, oh, someday, someday the Criterion this Collection all... will die. Right, and then I'll be able to do that thing I've promised myself I would do. Someday you'll have the time, and uh, then you'll break your glasses. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll be trapped <laughs> in a weird library. It'll be great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, when this movie came out, uh, it was critiqued by leftists for not being overt enough, um, which yeah. is not surprising at all. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, um, got critiqued for for being individual, uh, focused on the family instead of the national crisis, even though the family is obviously a metaphor for the national crisis. I mean, again, no, not again, good enough. It's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. But yeah, just the fact that they're they're all separated, that the older sister has a uh, has a sadistic streak in her, and playing on the gullibility of her younger sister at the very least. Uh, just, yeah, everything about, like, the whole B metaphor. Did you? Yeah. Did you see it at all? Did you watch the movie? (laughs) Well, that's always the thing. That's, and I think that's where it really comes. Because, like, honestly, though, Adam, it has the modern, the modern world has taught me a very weird lesson, which is a lot of people are willing to say a lot of things without ever actually seeing the movie. That's fair. And then we get someone like the review we've already quoted where it, it seems like maybe they watched a different movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe watched a different movie. Maybe they were high at the time. I'm yeah. not clear what happened. Maybe they went to the bathroom and they came back in to a different theater. The, and, the wrong theater. Yeah. Like, uh, they're like, oh, and then, I, and then man, the movie got really erotic. It's like, <laughs> um, did you? Wrong room? I don't. It happens. <laughs> uh. Yeah, um, that's a whole other podcast, though. The one where you leave a room and like, we could. That's a whole other podcast we could start, which is <laughs> watch ha- the first half of one movie and the second half of another movie, and then like try to piece together that fucking storyline. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Um, no, that's a brilliant idea. You're wrong. That art piece is will be beautiful. Uh, so this one of the the final things to happen in this film is the doctor. Um, talking about Anna saying that she'll eventually get over it. Um, right. Uh, there is some evidence that uh, Anna Torrent, who plays Anna, did not eventually get over the uh, this film. Um, she uh, Really? I, she, she is proud of her work, uh, but it definitely traumatized her, both in the moment and, uh, and, and beyond. Um, yeah. For instance, one reason that all of the characters are named uh, the actors' names is that she was young enough where that was confusing. Um, you know, it's just right. like six or seven when this happens, right? Um, but uh, according to one thing I read, uh, the uh, the Frankenstein's monster in the film uh, scared her to death. Really, really scared mm, her to death. That's not surprising, yeah. Um, which is not not so surprising either. Um, but yeah, uh, the doctor is interesting too. 
this this assurance that they will recover from this nameless trauma uh, is nice, uh, but there's no evidence that that's going to happen. And being well, being being forty years in or thirty years into Francoist Spain, um, right? Well, that's the thing, right? Like, is is the the audience knows that's horseshit? Right. Like, that's the whole point, right? right? Like that that right. the audience knows that like this is not going to get better, right? Like. The audience is very well. I mean, we're told when this movie takes place at the beginning, right? So that we, as the audience, can te- can, can contextualize the fact that, like, no shit will not get better. Yeah, like, this it's going to be this garbage for fucking what almost like yeah for forty years, right? Right. Um, and I think that's really important. But like, the doctor at the same time, I will say, is is not really wrong per se. Like right. in the sense that like. He's making an argument that's not that uncommon, which is like, you know, kids are relatively resilient when it comes to, to, to trauma compared to adults. Like, it's not great. Like, it's not a thing we should have to have kids do. But, like, they a lot of kids do recover despite how bad shit gets. Right. It, it's, it's not an argument that we shouldn't try to make their lives better. It's just that, like, it's more of a, wow, like, it's amazing what kids can survive. It's, it's really shocking sometimes. Um, that being said, there's a lot of kids who don't survive shit like that. And like his, his blanket assurance is not, is not by any means like an actual assurance, right? Like we don't know. Uh, and, and we as an audience do know because like these kids are not going to recover because the trauma is not going to go away. Yeah. The trauma is going to sustain for a long time and it's just going to keep happening. So, you know, they're not going to recover. We know that, but like, you know. You know, in nineteen whatever it's with nineteen the movie is supposed to set is set in nineteen thirty nine, right? I mean, the doctor doesn't know that they're in for forty years of this garbage. Yeah. Like that I mean it's it's definitely just some dramatic irony, which right, is right. which is always always appreciated in, 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 in your art piece, right? Right. That's correct. I think we'll probably pull this one to a close. Yeah, I mean, I, this is one of those ones where like we can we can gush about it for a while if, if we want to, but like yeah, there's a lot to gush about. I'm, oh, the one thing I want to point out is another thing that I it, I'm I am fascinated by um, the beehive serving as multiple metaphors. Yeah, um, because we've talked about how the idea that like you know it's a it's a hierarchy a hierarchical society where nobody has any free thought, and that's a whole that's its own whole metaphor too. But then like the juxtap- juxtaposition of how active and busy a right. beehive is versus how quiet and still right. it's the, the world only, is the only thing alive really in this movie is the beehive right exactly and that's a really that's a whole other fascinating thing because the father tends that right and sustains the life of that thing that is the only thing that is alive yeah is a whole other thing right, right. and it's a, that's a that's a thing i kept thinking about when i was watching right. it and he is he is equally not tending the rest of his family in the same way. Right, like he's given up hope on them. Right. Like they're done. It's it's right. over. Like he's only concerned with that beehive basically at this point. Yeah. Though the mushroom scene was nice. <laughs> That's true. And you know, I don't, I'm not implying that like this father yeah, does he's not, not love neglectful. his children. Like, but he's he is also traumatized. Right. Like right. everybody in this movie is traumatized. Right. Like that's just the way it is. And like they're all dealing with it in their own right. way. And all, all different aspects of the trauma too. Right. Right. And and the doctor's assurance that, yeah, you live and things will get better uh, is is as much a message for the rest of the family as it is for Anna. 
Uh, right. And also as much ringing hollowly for the rest yeah, of totally the family. Yeah, totally hollow, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. This week we've been talking about The Spirit of the Beehive, 1973 by Victor Erice. Um, beautiful, wonderful masterpiece of Spanish cinema. Yeah, um, yeah just such a great movie. Um, it's really, it an amazing movie. I, yeah. uh, next week, we will be talking about Jigoku, uh, or Hell, uh, sometimes titled The Sinners of Hell. Uh, 19- which is not accurate. Which is not accurate. But, yes. Uh, but, uh, say, 1960 Japanese horror film by Nubohu Nakagawa. How'd I do? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say not terribly. <laughs> I'm not really paying attention, but yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> no, I kind of zone out during the introductions because I don't want to interrupt. So. <laughs> well, that's good. That's uh, right. I purposely kind of turn my brain off when you're doing you're introducing the next one because yeah. I don't want to like cause trouble. That's very sweet of you. Uh, anyway, so we'll watch that next week. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oritari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lost in criterion. We'd appreciate it.